OTB GAA. You know, Offaly had won by a last minute goal. So my inspirational speech actually backfired on me. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome along. Sunday's off the ball. Joe Malloy with you. Premier League doubleheader is coming your way. Jurgen Klopp has all but conceded the Premier League title. A win today, an absolute necessity. Liverpool are at the Emirates in our half-four game. Stephen Doyle, Kenny Cunningham on duty. Before that, Crystal Palace leads United with Nathan Murphy and Brian Kerr. The pay-per-view just recorded, streamed on our social channels, will be podcasted very shortly. Kieran Cunningham, chief sports writer with the Irish Daily Star, and Sarah Donovan. All-Ireland winner with Cork and has played for Dublin as well uh, with us on the papers. Very happy to say Arthur O'Dea is here in the studio. Hello. Hi, Joe. Anne-Marie Donlan with us as well. Anne-Marie, hello. Hey, Joe. So it was interesting even uh, this morning reading through the Sunday papers. And for instance, uh, Paul Rowan in the Sunday Times was talking about the potential pitfalls for Stephen Kenny in Ireland, the potential dangers, the worst case scenarios. And I read that and thought, well, we'd be very unlucky really for any of that to happen. And so some of the points he was making... Some of the points he was making. My microphone okay? You hearing me okay? I'm hearing it loud and clear. Don't sorry. worry, sorry, sorry. Maybe it's a headphones issue. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are getting me out there, are you? I'm sounding very echoey or something in my own ears, but I'm sure I'm okay. I'll press on. So uh, he was making the point that, well, to be avoided, certainly out of pot two, England and France, obviously. Obviously. And then even in pot four behind us, there's danger with Greece and Turkey. You know what, them. You'd be very unlucky to be unlucky in pot two and pot four, of course. Never going to happen. Stephen Kenny sitting there watching events in Frankfurt. <laughs> so uh, out of pot one, Netherlands. That's not terrible. You know, kind of as pot one teams go. There's a blip in them. It's not great. It's not great, but, but it's not, yeah. Pot, pot one's never going to be great, realistically. And then, lo and behold, out of pot two, here come France. Great That's, game. Great series of games. <laughs> I mean, nice destinations, sure. And if you're booking <laughs> flights, nice places to go, I suspect. But uh, not great if you're really targeting second place and qualifying automatically with serious intent, then not great. And then just to put a little underlining of all the uh, difficulty out of uh, Group 4, Pot 4, come Greece, who pretty much are same rankings as ourselves. They're the second highest ranked in their pool. Yeah. For pot four. Yeah. Well, of four. course they are, because we got them. Yeah. So <laughs> invariably, they're one of the better teams for sure. So it is difficult in the extreme. There is the obvious difficulty of France and Netherlands. And then there is the now, I know it's a negative way to frame it, of course, but the banana skin, the stick that can absolutely be used to beat you with is Greece. If that mm-hmm. goes awry, and of course, you can have a tough day, I'm sure, in Athens. Always a tough place to go. Definitely. Uh, you can have a tough day in Athens, or they could do something in Dublin on the wrong day. And then Gibraltar. Well, surely that'll be. Yeah. Oh, we'll navigate that one. So France, Netherlands, Greece, and uh, Gibraltar. Netherlands from pot one. We got France from pot two, and then Greece from pot four and Gibraltar to round things off. So it is not easy, That's and uh, one suspects playoff place will be uh, most definitively now the route through to the European Championships. So uh, yeah, it is brutal. You need to be a lucky manager sometimes, and you're going to hopefully. So the only thing you'd say that would hopefully be the case is that France and the Netherlands may both be have may both have new managers. I don't know if Deschamps will stay after the World Cup and I don't think Van Hal he's definitely going as far as I know. He is, yeah. So maybe it's a case of they make the wrong appointment and that helps. I mean Yeah. Plus 
a World Cup hangover just two months yeah. on from Qatar is very possible as well. You think back to qualification for 02 and uh, I think I'm pretty sure in saying Mick McCarthy and the FAI certainly pushed for uh, Netherlands and uh, Portugal. Portugal early doors yeah, and got good results early doors and that was attributed to World Cup hangover in part or European Championships hangover in part. So I, look at this. we're talking about two sides of, of one coin. The alternative is where you say, OK, let's get, go get those difficult games early and let's hope there is World Cup hangover for France and Netherlands and maybe you get something. Obviously, the, the danger is you don't you get nothing and, and two you're, hockey ends, you're yeah. off to a tough start. And so you need to think very seriously about that. Is there something to be said about getting some momentum and maybe it's Gibraltar Greece first and, and get the confidence going. Maybe. Yeah, yeah Perhaps maybe. they would have been better off as well to be in one of those six team groups and have a much lower ranked side to just get scoring, get goals, get a big win and get the momentum going. But that yeah. didn't happen. But fixtures will be important. Like if you've France and the Netherlands up first and if you've two really big defeats, like that is... Tricky. Yeah, that's difficult. And then inevitably the conversation will turn to the pressure that's on the manager and that's not what you need in the middle of a qualifying campaign. But you say like, look, Stephen Kenny has been really unlucky, particularly at the start with COVID and injury issues. But Ireland were in that pool because of the poor performance in the Nations League and they've the Netherlands and France now because of that. If they had gone in, in the second pool, they wouldn't be playing France and they would have had a better draw and Stephen Kenny has to take responsibility for that. I think that's a great point and one well worth making and right through the last uh, year, 18 months, two years when people said, look, these games are only so-so in importance. Yeah. This is why they were important for sure. Uh, the other uh, groups, by the way, Spain, Scotland, uh, Norway and Georgia and Cyprus. So that's Group A. We're obviously Group B. Uh, group C, Italy and England together, which catches the eye. Ukraine are out of pot three. North Macedonia and Malta. That group would have been just as bad. B and C are the, the toughest groups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, group D, Croatia, Wales, Armenia came out of pot three and Turkey and Latvia. So Croatia and Wales, the top two in Group D. Top two in Group B are Poland and Czech Republic with Albania uh, chasing them down. Group F, Belgium and Austria with Sweden there who will fancy their chances, you would suspect, maybe of doing something in Group F. And then Group G, Hungary, Serbia, Montenegro, Bulgaria, Lithuania, theirs as well. Uh, Group H, Denmark, Finland, Slovenia and then Kazakhstan, Northern Ireland in that group with San Marino. Marino, And Group I is Switzerland and Israel with Romania, Kosovo, Belarus and Dora. And Group J, finally, Portugal, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Iceland, Luxembourg, Slovakia, Liechtenstein. You'd kind of have jumped to Group J, really, wouldn't you? Portugal, Bosnia, Herzegovina as your top two. Yeah, you'd have a yeah. crack at those. Like Por- Especially Portugal after are good, but they're not. There's a bit of confidence amazing. in this Ireland side after the Portugal. It's a bit of that, yeah. yeah. That's two our, big nights at the Aviva, Netherlands so and France, like sorry, superstars the, coming. The downside of a group of death is it's the most interesting group. Yeah. So there is a real glamour about the whole thing. and I, like, Especially France. Like when you just think about it, Benzema and Golo Kante. Yeah. Yeah. Stade Pogba. France a couple of years ago. Brian Kerr, who'll be with us uh, this hour, managed Ireland Stade de France. It was an amazing evening. I was there with mates. I was in college. I remember, you know, there must have been, there must have been 25, 30,000 Irish. Yeah. And yeah. It was, you know, it really was. It was an amazing occasion. So you do, you do get that as opposed to trekking to... You know, I don't. Hungary and Serbia Eastern could have been Europe, the top two. Yeah. 
possibly possibly grim that you know as as our glamour ties <laughs> is, is it Hungary or is it Serbia I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know so in that sense it will be very exciting and uh, we'll all be very clued into it yeah it, and it's very exciting that the fact that that French team I don't know what way it'll go but like the fact it could be a Zinedine Zidane France team yeah coming oh, in oh god do you know like is, is there any chance that this uh, Pogba story and that, that they could just really <laughs> fall apart at the seams of this World Cup and, and be in tatters come next year that's the uh, the hope uh, Nathan Murphy will be on commentary of our first live game of the afternoon which kicks off as usual 2 o'clock Crystal Palace Leeds United Nathan you're very welcome good afternoon everybody uh, congratulations once again my man well done on Friday thank night very, much, very good thank you. thank you through gritted teeth he said <laughs> uh, so this draw <laughs> Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, they'll have no problem selling tickets, which will be good for the uh, FAI's coffers in the short term, but uh, they desperately need to get to major tournaments. And you know, I think Amory made a good point. If Ireland had had a more successful Nations League campaign, you end up in the second pot of seeds and you avoid this scenario where, let's be honest, I think most people look at that draw and think Ireland don't have a hope in hell of qualifying automatically. Now, the fixtures can work in such a way that you, you get your brawl too early, you get it you get a big result against one of France or the Netherlands and maybe you start with some momentum and you keep going from there. But it does just feel that Stephen Kenny again is starting on the back foot on this. And he's going into this campaign, we all accept under pressure for results, the transformation of the side, the bloody new players. Everyone's done with that now. They're ready. All of these players have 10, 15 caps. And Ireland should always be expecting to qualify for a European Championship when you have 24 teams out of just over 50 in the qualification sense. So... Already, I think we're looking at a potential playoff. Now, it's not a guarantee. It's not as much of a guarantee as the last time round that Ireland will get that playoff. But looking at the draw, they sh- should should still be fine. Remember, nothing that happens in these qualifiers, bizarrely, will affect Ireland's ability to get a playoff uh, from Ireland's point of view. So we may end up falling back, as we did last time, for the playoff with Slovakia. But listen, yeah. I think everyone will look forward to seeing the likes of Kylian Mbappe uh, coming to Dublin or Virgil van Dijk on the Dutch side of things. But if you're Stephen Kenny, I would say you're concerned and you're looking at those March fixtures and knowing, regardless of who it is, you need to be getting something from those games. Yeah, And Greece coming up on the rear. Greece will look at Ireland and think, OK, well, we can finish third in this group and have a decent campaign. And, and that could almost be the potential stick that he might be beaten with mm-hmm. as opposed to France and Netherlands. The interesting uh, question will be failure to qualify now automatically that was almost being used as the real metric to judge Stephen Kenny, or maybe to be fair, it would have included the playoff as well. But now, now we're, as always with with kind of this uh, tenure, there's no clear resolution ever on whether it's going well or whether it's not going well. And I think this group could fall into it because not finishing in the in the top two in this group is less of a failure than, for instance, not finishing in the top group of Group G, which has Hungary and Serbia, for instance, or even maybe we might look at Switzerland. Israel or Portugal, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Group J and Group I. Finishing behind Netherlands, France, can you really turn around to Stephen Kenny or any Irish manager and say, well, look, that's really, you know, that's just not good enough. Obviously, the playoff may ultimately decide um, his future and, and probably will. But you take the point, it's 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 another kind of <laughs> aspect which you thought, well, this will clear things up once and for all. But they could have a very good campaign and still very conceivably finish behind Netherlands and France. Well, exactly. And I think if they have a very good campaign and they win their two games against Greece and win their two games against Gibraltar and take some points from some of those games against the top two or at least put in strong performances as they've done against the better teams mm. over the last year or so, I think then Stephen Kenny... Will be fine for the playoff, but it's it's the run of the games as well. It is the run of the games because the FAI may well look at it and go in March. If, for example, Ireland were to end up 
even playing the top two and losing both those games going, well, we're heading, our only chance now is a playoff. Should we not be building towards that for mm. the next year and give a new manager eight games of a run-in so they're as well prepared as possible? So you're right. It does feel as though <laughs> everything is just going to be pushed back again. It will be an enormous achievement to finish in the top two. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Ireland shouldn't be pushing for the top two and shouldn't you know, shouldn't be finishing ahead of Greece with where the team are now. But as you said, Brian Kerr is uh, going to be talking to us in a little while. Like Brian knows himself, I'm sure, the difficulty of the seedings. And you think back to his campaign for 2006, you're in with France and Switzerland. Uh, right from the off, it's almost impossible. And they played really well in all of those fixtures and kept it very tight. But you can still end up in just slightly squeezed out. And look, there's that term, a lucky general, that... Trapattoni used to describe himself yeah, as and uh, Martin O'Neill probably had a little bit of it as well like Stephen Kenny's had none of it none of it at any stage uh, throughout his tenure but you beat Armenia away from home you start that campaign better and you're probably fine because this whole seeding system is now fully dictated by the Nations League and you're right some people look at the Nations League and go they're glorified f- friendlies like they have a long lasting impact if you can be successful in the Nations League it can run on for one, two, three qualification campaigns in terms of seedings in terms of playoffs and Ireland have you know, been one of the worst countries in all of Europe in, in terms of the Nations League but there's also the knock on effect if you have now the likes of France as a second seed Greece as a fourth seed and even you know, among those third seeds as well like Sweden are in there among the third seeds they're ranked below Ireland in the Nations League playoff race so there's a lot of interchanging, whereas once upon a time, I think we all knew the top 10, the top 20 when it was just on the world rankings. The Nations League has sort of ripped that script up. And yeah, I think everyone went, oh, France and Netherlands, it'll be, uh, it'll be a joy to watch them mm. uh, when they come to Dublin. And as you said, they're nice away trips. But in terms of just trying to build a, build a bit of momentum, uh, it's, Stephen Kenny can never admit, of, admit it, but he must be a little bit sick. Yeah. Tournaments are a lot more fun than nice away trips as well, as we'd all attest. So the uh, footballing menu for the day here at home, Shamrock Rovers, Shelburne kicks off at five. The late kickoff this evening is Everton, Manchester United at Goodison. That's a seven o'clock kickoff, an unusual one for a Sunday evening in light of the uh, Queen's passing and those postponements. So they're playing a bit of catch up. We have Arsenal-Liverpool, our half-past-four game. And then two games at two o'clock, West Ham, Fulham, and our live game is Crystal Palace-Leeds United. Do you want to whet the appetite with any team news or points of note here? (laughs) Uh, Well, both these sides have had a bit of a struggle this season. Palace are an interesting one. They come into this just outside the relegation zone and goal difference. They've only won win all season. That was back in August against Aston Villa. Yet every time you watch them, you're impressed, uh, both as a team and particularly with some of the individuals they have through that team. Mark Gehi at the back, who's forced his way into the England squad. Ebericha Eze, who's played in, in a more central midfield role, who looks one of the real talents outside the top six teams in the Premier League with his dribbling ability. Michael Lolise, every time you see him, impacts a game from midfield. And Will Zaha, you know, has been consistently over the last six, seven years, somebody who delivers uh, almost every week for Crystal Palace. But They've been blowing too many leads. So in their seven matches so far, they've taken the lead in five of them and they've only won one match. They've dropped 10 points so far. So there's a bit of flakiness there among this Palace side. And they are, you know, we're what, heading eight games into the season from a Palace point of view today. If you were to lose this one at home, everyone seems to like Patrick Vieira. Everyone feels he's doing a good job, but suddenly you find yourself in the relegation zone. There's no momentum. There's a quality young squad there. The pressure would undoubtedly come on them. At least they've just been getting the job done. They've nine points in their seven games, a couple of wins. They've only been beaten twice. 
Uh, they are very strong at home on beating at Ellen Road, but just one point from their three away matches uh, so far. So this is one of those, uh, I'm not going to say obviously relegation six-pointers, but a six-pointer at the start of the season that if one of these teams win, they'll probably be relatively happy with where they are uh, almost a quarter of the way through the season, where if you lose, there's going to be a few question marks because it is so tight. Like, you know, Palace, as I say, just outside the relegation zone on goal difference. If they win here, they're within three points of seventh. Mm. So a bit of momentum at the right time and you can move very quickly up the table. Uh, neither of these teams have won in their last four, so can't be coming into this with a huge amount of confidence. In terms of team news for Crystal Palace, they made a couple of changes from the defeat to Chelsea last week. Again, a prime example where played so well for so long. Connor Gallagher comes on, scores this wonder goal right at the end to break their hearts. And Nathaniel Klein picked up a really nasty gash in that game, so he drops out. But Joachim Anderson is fit again, so he'll slot in in defence. Joel Ward will move from centre-back to right-back. And Jeff Schlupp comes in for Tyreek Mitchell at left-back. So it's Vicente Guaita in goals. Joel Ward at right-back, Schlupp at left-back. And then Mark Gehi and Joachim Anderson in the centre of defence. Check to Corey in midfield alongside Michael Elise and Abriche Eze. And then Jordan Ayew and Wilf Zaha playing just in behind Odson Edward. And for Leeds, Ilan Melier in goals. Rasmus Christensen at right back, Pascal Stroik at left back, Liam Cooper captains the side in the centre defence alongside Robin Cock, Tyler Adams and Mark Rocca in the middle of midfield, Brendan Aronson and Jack Harrison on the wings, and then Rodrigo behind Patrick Bamford who returns to the side in place of Sinistera. It's the only change from their scoreless draw against Aston Villa. It's just the fourth Premier League game that Bamford has started in 13 months. He has just been ruined with injuries for a player who you know, was seen as a, a bit of a journeyman until that first season in the Premier League with Leeds and he was so outstanding and such a force of leading the line everything seemed to revolve around him uh, probably would have been in the mix for going into to the World Cup in, in just a little while but uh, he has struggled with hamstring injuries with knocks to his ankle but he's fit enough to start today so if they can keep him fit uh, Leeds could maybe uh, have a nice mid-table finish again this season Okay, very good Nathan, thank you uh, By the way, I think Bringing your award to the game today was just a bit OTT, man. It's like, just, you know, play. You don't need to bring it with you everywhere. <laughs> I was joking, by the way. He didn't. You, did, you didn't bring it, did you? No, I died. I, I, I well, well, listen. You know, sometimes yeah, Brian Kerr will be coming in here. trying to impress like, Brian Kerr. Yeah. Oh, Brian, sorry. I'll move that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Nathan Murphy with us for commentary. Kicks off at two o'clock. Brian Kerr alongside him. We'll chat to Brian about the... The draw in just a few moments' time, I suspect he'll confirm it is indeed difficult, uh, as we're all uh, well aware of. So let's run through everything else going on. Emerging Ireland play today. Yeah, they round off their tour of South Africa this afternoon. Simon Easterby side faced the Cheetahs from two o'clock Irish time, so just over half an hour. Max Deegan will captain the side from the back row. That's as they look for a third successive victory. Elsewhere, Ulster hammered Ospreys 47 points to 17 at Kingspan Stadium last night in the United Rugby Championship. Luke Marshall and Sam Carter both got two tries each for the home side. That was as they made it three wins from their opening four games games so far this season. Leinster, meanwhile, scored eight tries in a 20-point win over the Sharks at the RDS yesterday and that saw them maintain their unbeaten start to the campaign. Yeah, that was a great game, actually. Yeah, I heard it was brilliant. Non-stop. 
So uh, Max Verstappen, the inevitable has happened. He is the 2022 Formula One world champion after winning a rain hit Japanese Grand Prix this morning. He beat Sergio Perez into second. Charles Leclerc came third, handing the Dutchman the world title after he was penalised by the race stewards for going off the track in the final lap. Lewis Hamilton finished fifth in a contest that saw drivers furious that a recovery vehicle was on the track before all cars were back in the pits. Uh, We had the Spanish Open then on the European Tour, the DP World Tour today. Yeah, sure do. And John Ram is the man to catch at the moment. He is one under par through four holes today. That leaves him 17 under for the tournament and two shots clear of the chasing pack that's on the final day. In terms of the Irish, Paul Dunn, best of them at the moment. He's four under. Jonathan Caldwell is a shot back on three under and Nal Carney is one over par. Very good. And Stephanie Meadow? Yeah, this could be exciting. Stephanie Meadow will get her final round of the LPGA's Medaheel Championship underway in a tie for ninth. She'll tee off from seven under par this evening. That's seven shots off the lead that's held by England's Jodie Ewart-Shadoff. I don't think Stephanie Meadow has had a top 10 finish, has she? In her career or On the tour. this season? Certainly uh, not this season. Certainly not this season. No. Her form has been up and down this season. I uh, wouldn't like to ruler out totally of a top okay. 10 previously she's a couple of good years I suspect she may but uh, could be wrong certainly not this season not it hasn't this been season, a great no. season um, I think it's fair to say there is a, a weight and a cloud over the country um, given events on Friday night and uh, people are digesting the uh, the sadness and the grief which is, is pretty much impossible to digest as you would imagine for those directly affected so uh, today is or should have been county final day in Donegal, it's county final day, day elsewhere around the uh, country. But Donegal, uh, no surprises, obviously, that match not going ahead, Amory. No, um, the Donegal Senior Football Championship final between Nave Connell and St. Unions that was due to take place this afternoon has been postponed. That's after the incident that saw 10 people lose their lives in Krishla. The thoughts and prayers of everyone involved with Common Lucas Guel Dunanal are with the community of Krishla. A statement on Friday evening said as this postponement was announced, the hardworking emergency services and the gales of Common Lucas Guel Neve Michael, that's the local club, they were thanked for their efforts at what's been described as a terrible time. Yeah, to say the least, I mean, words fall short. So condolences to all, obviously, and, and thoughts and prayers. It's just, um, it's hard to imagine. It really is. It's dreadful. So um, it'll be a while, I suspect, before that final uh, takes yeah. place. Other matches are going ahead around the country. Quite a few of them. We are at that period of the season where the county finals are on today. Yeah, a number of finals taking place around the country. The Antrim football final is Cargan versus St. Mary's in Kildare. Clane and Nace is at Newbridge from half past three. That's in their football final. The Leash football final is O'Dempsey's against Port Arlington. That's at O'Moore Park from four o'clock. In Longford, it's Column Kill versus Mullinyachta. That's at four as well. In Louth, St. Mary's of RD against Newtown Blue. 
Blues in Westmeath then it's St. Lomans versus the Downs the Wicklow Senior Football Championship final will see Balting Glass and St. Patrick's at Ockram from 3 o'clock while in Mayo the Hurling Championship final is Taurine versus Ballyhonis that's at 2 o'clock at half past 2 in Meath Port Talchin will see Ratoth take on Trim that's in their Hurling decider and in Down Ballycran against Portaferry is at 4 o'clock Very good Anne-Marie thanks for the time being Arthur thank you Thanks Joe OTB GAA You know Offaly had won by a last minute goal so my inspirational speech actually backfired on me Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts